Hi, I'm Dave Scott. I'm pastor of Crossway Community Church, and I want to welcome you. Crossway is a church simply committed to making disciples. We meet at 1501 Woodbury Road. It's off of Colonial and Fort Wayne in East Orlando. Come check us out. I look forward to meeting you. Well, we've been studying the Gospel of John, and I encourage you to study along as we go through the different chapters. Uh, I won't be able to cover every verse. Uh, it would take it'd be much longer, several-year uh, odyssey if we were to do that. And so we'll go through different chapters and 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 focus on specific excerpts uh, or uh, key passages in those as we go that tell the story that lay out the whole flow of the book. Um, we talked about how. Uh, John, of course, is one of God's, one of Jesus' disciples, uh, one of his, the closest ones. Uh, uh, and John describes himself as a disciple who Jesus loved, um, and love is a huge theme for John, both in his in his gospel and in his epistles, First, Second, and Third John. Um, but the real theme here in the Gospel of John, John lays at the end of the book. He says he wrote this so that we can know and believe uh, that Jesus is the Christ, and to have life in Him. To, to believe and to live. And so that repeated theme of the revelation of who Christ is and our trust and dependence on that and then how that actually relates to or, or uh, applies to our daily life is what uh, John's been unpacking and we've been seeing unfold as we've gone through the Gospel of John. We come to chapter 10 here. And this is one of the iconic passages of the, of the Gospel of John uh, with uh, this there are a number of I am statements that, that John has been quoting from Christ. We looked at previously Jesus uh, being the bread of life, uh, for him being the living water. Uh, and then uh, he said that he was the light of the world. And here we come where he says that he is the good shepherd. Um, I'll tell you a, a part of my story that y'all may not know. Um, my sister-in-law is British and she's from Devon and Devon's in the Southeast corner of Britain. And, uh, and she grew up, her father is a shepherd and a, a sheep farmer on a thousand-year-old sheep farm. And this is a picture of it. You see it there uh, with the hedgerows, and he's up there uh, with the flock. Um, Devon is covered with these gorgeous fields. It's like a patchwork quilt uh, with these uh, thousand-year-old hedgerows that England is famous for. They're piles of rock that have been, uh, have bushes growing on them and brambles and thorns that are, that are impenetrable that, that keep the sheep fenced in. Um, you know, it's interesting, sheep, uh, a sheep cannot survive on its own. It can't survive on its own. This sheep was actually found in the outback of Australia when they sheared it. It had over 80 pounds of wool. And the wool will continue to grow. And there's nothing a sheep can do about it. If it's not sheared, eventually it'll get so big that it'll, if it fell over, it can't get up, it can't eat, and it would actually die. Of course, there's a lot more threats to a, uh, to a sheep's life beyond just the fact of its wool getting too big. Um, with uh, It needs someone to tend over it, someone to care, someone to feed it, someone to water it, someone to protect it. And so it's interesting in this passage... Christ opens up with this picture of a sheepfold, the walls that wall in a sheep, and the role of a shepherd, the need of a shepherd. Sheep need a pasture. They need an enclosed safe space. They need a shepherd. 
And it says in verse 1, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. There's a contrast here from the very beginning, and we've been seeing this contrast and the tension, and it grow in the Gospel of John between Jesus as the Christ, as the Messiah, the true Son of God, and those who are imposters, those who are setting themselves up as religious authorities, religious leaders, leaders of the flock. And Jesus said, there's true shepherds and there's false shepherds, there's thieves, there's robbers. Um, he says, verse 2, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Uh, this is Theo Fry, uh, my, my daughter-in-law, my, my sister-in-law's uh, dad. He's now passed away and with the Lord. He loved the Lord dearly um, and his flock. And uh, it says, the sheep is interesting. When the sheep come, when, when the shepherd comes, the sheep know the shepherd. Just like your dog knows you, the sheep know you. They know the sound when you're coming. It's like our, whenever Donna shows up, the dogs hear the car. They know it before she ever gets to the door. The, the, they'll respond. The sheep are the same way. They have an emotional response to the shepherd because they know the shepherd. If it's nighttime and they can't see it, then they can smell it. They know the smell of the shepherd. They know the sound of its voice. You know, uh, Mr. Fry, the amazing thing was when he had his, his flock out in the field with his, with his dog, his sheepdog, he could stand in one place and just with a whistle, he could control the herd. Just like a remote control car or, or a drone, he can make it go left, he can make the flock go right, he can make it move forward, he can make it stop, he can have it bring in. That's the relationship, the intimate connection that he had with his sheep. Uh, this is my niece, Elizabeth, um, and uh, his granddaughter. And uh, every uh, year for vacation, uh, her and her two siblings and her mom uh, would go over to England during lambing season, uh, go back to the farm, uh, and that's when all the lambs come. And, of course, it's, it's a 24-hour deal when lambing season comes because you never know when they are, and, and uh, that's their favorite time to go. It says, to him, the gatekeeper opens. Why is there a fence? Why is there a gate around the sheep? Why is there protection around the sheep? You know, uh, this last several weeks, we've seen incredible atrocities that we couldn't imagine, probably thinking back to World War II. How could it be that people who call themselves civilized human beings could cut out a baby out of its living mother's womb and then burn it alive in front of that mother? How could that atrocity like that happen, especially in this day and age? How about evil? Well, there's a reason. And there's a reason is because there is an enemy of the sheep. There's an enemy of the sheep uh, who's trying to get the sheep. It's a little disturbing, but this is the reality. That there is someone prowling to run down the sheep, to run down, to isolate me, to isolate you, right? And to trap us and to attack and to kill and then to take, to steal, to destroy, to pull away. There are wolves in this world. That's why the contrast of who is the good shepherd is set up with the, those who are not the good shepherd. Those who come to take life, right? Those who set themselves up as false shepherds and are really the ones who steal and destroy. Jesus said that he was the one who came to give life and to give it abundantly. Now, who do you think the enemy is? 
And wars is very important to determine, and there's a battle going on right now to define this um, in the Middle East. But I'll tell you, we have an enemy out there. The enemy is not your spouse. It's not. It's not your spouse. The enemy's not in here. It's not so-and-so who did such-and-such. I know we feel that. I feel that too sometimes. We have an enemy. The enemy's out there. The enemy is not in here. I want you to look to the person next to you and say, you aren't the enemy. (laughs) You're not the enemy, right? We have an enemy out there, and that enemy is real. And that's what this passage says. And Peter talks about this. He says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. This is our enemy. Why is there a sheepfold? Why is the identity of the shepherd important? Because the sheep are under attack by the enemy. We are under attack. I am under attack. You are under attack. Make no mistake about it. Now, uh, the passage goes on and says, He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. Middle Eastern houses are very different from houses here. If you walk down the street, sometimes you don't even know they're there. All you see is a wall, and occasionally, every so often, there's a door in the wall. But if you went inside the door, this is what you would see. You would see a courtyard. You know, When you walk through the front door, you don't walk into somebody's living room like we would here if you came to our house. All right, we got a, we got a great room. But what you walk into is actually an open-air cor- open courtyard. And the living quarters are either beside it or above it. And the courtyard is where the uh, livestock are kept, right? So at night, they can be brought in and the door can be shut. Jesus says, the good shepherd, he enters by the door. The one who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep, not the guy who goes over the top. Even in the Middle East, you'll see that there's actually broken bottles that'll be set in the concrete above the wall to make sure that no one comes over the top, right? So there's a contrast here. Before we get to the good shepherd, you need to understand why the sheep have to have a shepherd. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. It's Mr. Fry with his flock. And sheep know their shepherd's voice. They know, and Jesus says that the good shepherd knows them by name. He knows me by name. He knows you by name. Each person here, Jesus knows you by name. And it says, if we have placed our faith in him, if we've been adopted into his flock, that he will lead them out. When was the last time you heard the shepherd's voice? When have you heard him speaking to you? Sometimes God is silent, and those are difficult times. We have to wait, right? But what has Jesus been trying to say to you? What do you think? Maybe through a scripture recently, through a circumstance, through something that you read or something that you heard or something that someone said to you. It could be a sermon. It could be something online. I want to just stop for a moment because this passage says that the shepherd is speaking and it says we can hear his voice. And I want us to stop, and this doesn't mean that Jesus will speak to us now, but it does mean that we can be silent and we need to be in a posture of listening, right? 
So I just want to pause just for a moment, and I just want us to stop and be still and listen. To go before the Good Shepherd. He's here. He's in, a, he's in our presence with us right now. And just say to him, Good Shepherd, I am listening. Good Shepherd, speak to me. You can put out your, if you're comfortable, you don't have to do this, your palms in a, in a posture of receptivity. Um, or just say it in your heart to the Lord silently. Good Shepherd, speak to me. You know, what Alan suggested is a great discipline even for those of us who know the Lord to come before him and again to say, I'm here, speak to me, I'm listening, speak to me, Lord. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own by name and he leads them out. See, picture of the sheep following the shepherd, right? We talk about discipleship here. This is a discipleship-driven church. What's Crossway about? We're about disciples. We're about being disciples. Our own lifelong journey is disciples discipling our hearts to love God with all of who we are, but also discipling others, making disciples, the Great Commission. That means following. It means following the voice of the shepherd as he leads us out. Verse 5, a stranger they will not follow, for they will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. Now, in the ancient Near East, it's interesting because uh, out in the field, they also have folds where they'll be pasturing the, the flocks. And you know, the Near East is <laughs> in the Middle East now, what we call the Middle East, what we would call in history, we'd call it the ancient Near East, um, uh, is really just a, a rock pile. <laughs> you go out there and, and there's rocks everywhere. And uh, just like we have sand everywhere here, they have rocks everywhere there. So they just pile rocks up. They make a circle, circular enclosure, right? This is a sheepfold. This is so out where they pasture the sheep, they can bring the fold in. If they're not going to bring it all the way to the house in the city and the village, they could have an enclosure here. What is a sheepfold? The sheepfold is a place of safety. It's walls that have been made to create a safe place that the shepherd has made for his sheep. That's what we here at Crossway want to be. We want to create a safe place for one another. A place where we can come in and be real as sheep. Let down our guards, right? To rest. To have fellowship with one another. That we create, when we do church here, when we are the church, because the church is in this building, it's us. We are literally picking up those stones and building a safe enclosure for all of us where we can come together as a flock and to flourish. So again, Jesus said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the true door. Jesus says, again, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He is the door. There's only one door into the sheepfold. There's only one who, who determines who goes in and who goes out. And that is the true shepherd. And of course, 
Jesus is making a contrast here between all of uh, the religious leaders who'd gone before him who were imposters, um, and, and many who are this rising tension that you see building in, in the Gospel of John uh, of those who set, realize what Jesus is saying and, and, are, and are rejecting him and his claims. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The door is actually a picture of salvation. The, 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 the uh, sheepfold, right, is a place of salvation. How are we saved? How are we saved through the door? Of course, we know it's through Christ's death for us that we have a relationship with God the Father, right? So even in this picture of a door or a gate is, is the metaphor of salvation. Um, what will we save? We'll be saved from the penalty of our sins, right? If we place our faith in him. But we have to put ourselves into that fold. We have to follow the shepherd by faith. It's that act of faith, that act of actively trusting him that brings us into relationship with him. He says, the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come life, come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Abundant life, have life and have it abundantly. This is a synonymous phrase. It, it means the same, abundant life is the same thing as eternal life, right? It's eternally green life, thriving life, a pasture that never dies. What is it? It's a personal relationship with God, just like Alan was talking about. That's the green pastures that he brings us into, the abundant life that he wants to give us. The life that is of an eternal quality, knowing God and Jesus Christ, the one true son whom he has sent. That is our pasture. That is the pasture that no one can ever take away from us, right? But the thief, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And you know people, and I know people, that the thief has come and he's snatched. And he's drug away, right? To capture them with addiction, right? Fentanyl, we have a whole epidemic of fentanyl here, abuse in our, and the enemy, who is this doing that? This is all the enemy. We see all this chaos in the news, you know, killing in a whole different kind of communities, just the absolute senselessness, genocide, anti-Semitism. Where's all this coming from? It's from the one who's the author of death, destruction, who's destroying, because we are God's creation. We are the image of God. When he's the sworn enemy of God, Satan, it means he's also the sworn enemy of us. He wants to oppose, destroy the image of God in us. And that is what he's trying to do. But Jesus said, I have come that you may be restored, that you may live, to the, to live out the kind of design that God created you for. And he said, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. What does that mean? The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. In what way is Christ good? Well, there's a lot of different ways in which Christ is good. And we talk here about the excellencies of Christ, like the, the, the ways in which his glories just overflow um, and uh, how we, we savor that, right? We, 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 we live off that. We feed off who he is. Um, but one of the dimensions, the foundation of it all, is that he laid down his life for his sheep. 
Many of y'all know I had a background uh, working in Eastern Europe. It's my undergraduate major was East European Studies. I lived in, in, uh, in Yugoslavia and Poland. I traveled into Romania. This is actually a Romanian uh, shepherd. Why does he have this cloak around him? Why does he have that? And why does he have this stick? This is obviously sheepskin. The reason he has this cloak is because he spends the night with the sheep. And that's what he's wrapped up in. And he has a stick. Why does he have a stick? To defend himself and to defend the sheep. Have any of y'all ever spent the night in the woods by yourself or in the wilderness? A couple of y'all? If you want an experience, in Florida you don't have to have, go far to find wilderness. Just six feet off the back of your neighborhood, off any of these roads, <laughs> you'll be in wilderness really quick. Get yourself a, a hammock, an eno. I don't suggest sleeping on the ground. Put it between two trees and spend the night out there. What does that feel like when the dark comes and you're by yourself? That's where a, she, a shepherd has placed himself with the sheep to protect the sheep. Why? Because he's willing to lay down his life to give his life up for the protection of the sheep. The good shepherd lays down his life for a sheep. Of course, we know that Christ did this ultimately in the cross, right? For us. But he has not stopped laying down his life for you. He has not stopped being with you in the dark night or the valley that you may be in. He is with you there, and he still has his stick. These sticks that they carry, they typically have a burl on the end. It's a naturally grown uh, growth, and so they pick a, a, a stick or a trunk that has one of these. And why? Because you can swing and you can hit something and you can kill something with that. You know, the, the Irish, I'm, I'm a fighting Irish, Notre Dame, they started off their season playing uh, Navy in Dublin, Ireland. The reason why they, they play Navy every year, it's a tradition because after World War II, everyone, all the men were called up into the Army. Notre Dame was a, uni a university for men at that time. That kind of left them without a job, but the Navy uh, used them as a training school, and so that kept it in business. So as a, as a thank you, Notre Dame plays Navy every single year, but when they play, they play for the shillelagh. And the shillelagh is this stick. It's like this root with a, with a, with a, with a huge knob on the end. It's a weapon. That's what, the, that's what the shepherd has. That's what the staff is. The staff is a weapon. Yes, it's to guide the sheep, to draw them back in, but it's to protect the sheep. You have a shepherd here to protect you, to guard over you. He who is the hired hand and not a shepherd, verse 12, who does not own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and he flees. The wolf snatches them and he scatters them and he flees because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. You need to understand that these people that Jesus is identifying, these wolves, these hired hands, are religious people. These are religious authorities, people playing a religious game. They're taking God's truth, the Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, the truth about covenants, and they've turned it into a religious system that they can then play the game of and monopolize for their own benefit, right? That's what people do. It's called religion. It's right man's attempts to get to God. Jesus was facing this, and he's condemning it. And it still happens to this day in the church. There are imposters. That's why we need shepherds to protect the flock. I was an uh, interim pastor in North Carolina in a small country church. My first Sunday there, 
um, one of the members came up to me, he wanted to have lunch. I said, great, let's do it. We went to lunch, and he said, and he said he was across the table from me. He said, I just want you to know that uh, I'm a convicted sex offender. And I heard his story. He'd only been out for about nine months. And he was in charge of the Sunday school, of the church. And uh, I said, so I went to the deacons and I talked to him. I said, listen, you know, we need to have some guidelines here. He doesn't need to be in the children's space. And, and this, this man just totally, like, went into convulsions, you know, when the thought that he would not be allowed to go down the children's Sunday school hall. Why would that be? He said that he had total sanctification, and you may not know what that means theologically, but it means that he's saying that he is totally without sin, and because he has total sanctification, it means he has no temptation. He's totally over his sexual addiction where he sexually abused his daughter-in-law even when he was the chairman of the deacons. And he said, I don't have a problem, so I don't need any restrictions. He was a wolf in the pen. What does he turn on? He turns on the ones who are the true shepherds. Because, right, because he's playing his game, just like the, the Pharisees are playing their game. The wolves attack the church because this is the fold. This is where the real sheep are. This is the flock of the true shepherd, right? The hired hands. And that, that's a responsibility that we all carry and have to one another is to look out for one another, to be watchful, right? Um, for those who abuse even religion in the name of God and turn it into a terrible thing. He says, I am the good shepherd, I know my own, and my own know me. What is this green pastures? I'm, he knows you, and you can know him. To be known. All of us just want to be known. You are known. Christ wants you to know that you are known. You have a place of belonging. He's adopted you. He loves you. You are his a truly beloved, redeemed daughter or son if you place your faith in him. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. As much as close as God, as Jesus is to Christ, and Christ is to the Father, he wants us to have that kind of relationship as well. And so it goes on, it says in verse 22, skipping down, At the time of the Feast of Dedication, the place at Jerusalem it was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. This is an important context. Why is it? Because it seems like this is kind of out of context here for Jesus talking about sheep and the shepherd. The Feast of the Dedication is not the original dedication of the temple, but it's the dedication that happened um, in between the Old Testament and the New Testament, intertestamental period. Uh, the Syrians came in, they took captive, they, they took over the temple, and a, a Jewish leader by the name of Maccabees led a revolt where they regained the temple, and they rededicated the temple, but they only had enough dedicated oil to put in the, in the candelabra, the menorah, burned for one day. And tradition says that that one candle burned for eight days. And that's the festival now we, that's called the Festival of Dedication. We know it as Hanukkah. And Donna and I just, she said the other day, I want to stop by Target. I don't want to go by, what do you call it, Dollar Spot? <laughs> she loves to go, y'all go by there, that little place by the door where they have the, the dollar to five dollar stuff. So she's always looking for seasonal stuff. And we walk in there, of course, there's a bunch of Hanukkah pillows, right, with menorahs on them. This, this, we're getting ready for Hanukkah. Where does that come from? This is where it comes from. Why is that important? Because the Jews were looking for a political deliverer like Maccabees. And they, Jesus didn't come that way. 
It says, verse 24, so the Jews gathered around him. They said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. I mean, if you're the Messiah, please deliver us. Set up the kingdom where we'll become the spiritual authorities. Throw over the Romans so that we can uh, be in full control. Tell us plainly. Jesus answered and said, I told you and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you do not believe because you are not from my sheep. John's been laying out these works, these witnesses, these signs that point to the, Jesus being the true Messiah, these fulfilled prophecies, right? That, you know, as much as academics in the ivory tower of the academy likes to tear down Christianity, they, they can't uh, deny the fulfilled prophecies of the Old Testament books that we know because of, the, because of the Dead Sea Scrolls that were over 400 years before the time of Christ. We know that because we can carbon date them, that Jesus actually fulfilled, right, coming as the Christ. He comes as the true sheep. These bear witness about who he is. He says, but you don't believe because you're not among my sheep. In Isaiah, there's this prophecy of the Messiah coming. And here's where they got mixed up. Isaiah 40.10, it says, Behold, the Lord comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. That's what they wanted. They expected a recompense, but they rejected a suffering shepherd. What does the passage go on and say? Verse 11, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. They expected a recompensing king, someone who would come back vengefully, right? Repaying evil for evil. But instead, he came back as a suffering servant, a suffering shepherd. They didn't expect that. They reject that. A lot of times we don't accept the, the suffering, a suffering Messiah that he, who calls us to a path of suffering as well. We don't understand suffering. Jesus said it was central to his identity. He was willing to suffer for us. He said that we would live in a, in a world with tribulation as well. But he says, be of, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The good shepherd came to give us not religion, just like Alan said, but to give us a relationship with himself. Jesus answered and said, I told you, you don't believe. The works that I did in my Father's name bear witness to me. You don't believe because you're not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I will give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. If you're in Christ... If you placed your faith in him, who does Jesus say can snatch you out of his hand? No one. What does that mean in the Greek? It means no one. No one can snatch you out of his hand. <laughs> Nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. What can take eternal life from you? Can you do something in the future that somehow disqualify you from the flock? See, we have this misconception view of time. That is, if we could do something that would surprise God, that would make us so bad that he would no longer be able to love and forgive us. The truth is, 2,000 years ago when he died on the cross, everything that we were going to do was in the future. And he knew it. And he nailed it all to the cross. There's nothing that you do that surprises God. If you placed your faith in him, then all of your sins, past, present, and future, were forgiven 2,000 years ago based on faith 
of his, his sacrificial lamb. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. How do you know if someone's a sheep is in the, in the fold? Are they by following Christ? Who are they following? What are they following? He says, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. Let me ask you a question. How many shepherds are there? How many good shepherds are there? There's two. There's the father who owns the flock. And there's the son who he's given the flock the stewardship of, right? Who's given him to me. He's greater than all of them. He's the biggest shepherd. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand because I and the Father are one. If you see me, Christ, if you see a good shepherd in me, what does that tell you about the Father? That he is a good shepherd as well. Just as Christ was willing to lay down his life for you, the Father was willing to lay down his only Son to give his one and only Son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. No one can snatch him out of my Father's hand. No one. This is eternal security. When does eternal life end? It never does or it wouldn't be eternal. Right? That's what he says he gives us. It says the Jews picked up stones to stone him, and Jesus answered them and says, I've shown you many good works, works from the Father. For which of those are you going to stone me? I just, I just made a blind man see. I put mud on his eyes. Is on a Sunday. Is that what you're going to stone me for? You can stone me for making a man see? And the Jews answered him, it's not for good works that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy. Because you, being a man, make yourself God. They had no illusion as to what Jesus was saying. They knew that he was making an exclusive claim that he himself was one with Yahweh, the God who says that I am. The God that you can have no other gods before. And they're saying, you're saying you're God, that's blasphemy. Jesus said, no, me saying that I and the Father one, that's worship. That's identifying the glory of God and who he really is. And it says, and again, they sought to arrest him, but they escaped through, he escaped through their hands. And so in John, we've seen this rising drumbeat, this rising tension between him and the Jewish leaders. Of course, it's, it's, it, the, 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 the tempo is quickening towards the cross. We know that, and that's what the, second, the, the first half of John are these, these signs that are, John is laying down, and in the second half, he's going to spend in, the, in the, the time of the passion, right? His last days uh, in the upper room that lead him to the cross. We know that's coming. Jesus says, it's not time yet. It's not time yet. So he withdraws. He says, today's not the day. And he escaped. He went away across the Jordan to a place where John had been baptizing at first. And there he remained. He withdraws. Jesus pulls back to familiar territory. He says, and many came to him and they said to him, John did no sign. But everything that John said about this man is true. What did John say about this man? He said, this, behold, is the Lamb who's come to take, the Lamb of God who's come to take the sins of the world. What John said was true. And it says, this is a repeating frame here in John, 
And many believed in him. This is just like the book of Acts. Remember the book of Acts just over and over again says, and, and, so, and so many thousand were added to that end. And there's, many were multiplied and disciples spread. You see this in the gospel of John as well. There's a group of consolidating followers that are becoming clearer and clearer to them to who Christ is. And they're believing and trusting in what they understand of him and believing in him. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The Lord, as David said, is my good shepherd. I shall not want. To paraphrase, I have everything that I need. He is the good shepherd. He's laid his life down for me. What more do I really need? If God has given us his only son, will he not spare from us all the things that we need? The Lord is my good shepherd, I shall not want. Close your eyes. Listen to this. He leads me. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Jesus wants you to lie down. In green pastures today. This today's a Sabbath. This Sabbath means Shabbat means to stop. It means to rest. Sheep need to rest. You need to rest. You need to stop. You need to stop. In green pastures. That's not prosperity. That's not all your problems being fixed. That's the green pastures of a secure, resting relationship with Him. He leads me beside quiet waters. The quiet waters of his Holy Spirit that we know flowed out from the cross, his indwelling Holy Spirit, that if we place our faith in Christ, he now dwells in us to give us life. The fruit of the Spirit, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, joyfulness, self-control. These things flow through us, this flourishing green fruit in our lives. Is this of us? No, it's not of us. It's of him. This green pastures, what's the result? He restores my soul and your soul. Restoration. Shalom. Wholeness. That's what it means. Peace. That's what Jesus has come to bring us through a relationship with him. God, we want to praise you and thank you as our good shepherd. We are so aware of how we are sheep. We cannot live on our own. Lord, we need you. Thank you for your fold, a place like this where we can come and gather and encourage one another and rest and be fed and worship. Thank you that you've called us by name. Thank you that you speak to us and we can know your voice. Thank you for speaking to us through your word this morning. God, we praise you as our good shepherd. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for joining us today and listening to this message from Crossway Community Church. Once again, we meet at 1045 on Sunday mornings 
1501 Woodbury Road, which is just off Colonial and 408 in East Orlando. Come check us out. I'll see you then.